how often can you actually become present with your breath? Can you become present with your breath when you're arguing with your lover? Can you become present with your breath when there's an emergency going on? Or can you become present with your breath when you're in flow state or whatever you're doing? And so I think the best practice is developing a relationship to your breath throughout your day because you are what you repeatedly do. You're not what you do sometimes. Welcome everyone to Heal Thyself. All your love, gratitude, attention. I appreciate it so much. Like I say, I know the value of attention and it's thin. It is the highest resource, highest commodity right now. So many things are taking your attention away. Your phone being one of the biggest things, but we're all busy. We all have things to do. Really being here in this moment, being present or not present. Maybe just you're washing your dishes and listening. That's okay too. You might get a gem that is going to be transcendent. And this show, this show is going to have a lot of gems, really a lot of gems. We have a very special guest. I don't know if you know of a guy, his name is Steven Jaggers. He lives in Austin and I came across his work because we're both in the somatic healing space. But when it comes to breath work, right? Breath work, it is one of the most potent gateways to emotional healing. Breathwork has the capacity to really activate or calm the nervous system. It's a way to play with the nervous system. But I don't say play loosely. I say play in the sense of awakening what needs to be awakened or sort of calming the body in safety. And Stephen is one of those practitioners out there who has become a master of navigating that sort of spectrum, that ship of the nervous system, knowing what's needed when. So he's coming on the show and we're going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation, not just about breath, but of course, all the deep stuff, all the deep stuff about why we're here, how we're to show up in this world. What does authenticity mean from his perspective? What are some of the best ways to reduce the anxiety attacks that you may be feeling or what to do when you're feeling overwhelmed? How about when you just don't feel good in your body, right? There's too much things going on around you and you're sort of losing that sense of self. This happens to everyone. You know, we need to really start focusing on what tools we can have at our disposal because not everyone has access to putting on headphones and just putting on a YouTube meditation in that moment. We have to have something right then and there. And Steven is going deep into all of this. I mean, if you don't know him, if you've never seen his stuff on Instagram, this is a young, wise man, right? He's a, he's an OG, old, wise man in a young man's body. And I promise you, take my word for it, I promise you he's going to shake it up in the best of ways. He's going to give you so many gems that you're not only going to take note for yourself, you're going to share with your family. Now, for me, I got this knowledge bomb coming. And the other day I was thinking about this. How many of you out there, men and women, let's say, let's start with the fellas out there. How many of you are so addicted to your work? I know a lot of you are, because I got a lot of friends that are so addicted and derive their value from their work. And ladies, how many of you have a partner or a husband or who's a dad and is present but not present because so much of their value is on work and how they show up? Well, 
that's not a healthy balance. And I'm going to tell you why that happens. It's going to be very important for us to understand, but more importantly, I'm going to give you the tools to communicate to the men in your life and fellas communicate to you what you need to be doing in order to connect deeper with a deeper self and start creating a little bit of space. That doesn't mean you won't be successful. That doesn't mean you won't be working hard and doing well at work. You can do both, but when your identity is wrapped around it, ooh, that is going to sabotage you as a human being. I'm going to give you all the goods as to why that happens and how to get out of it. Get ready for Heal Thyself. I am a man, and that may not be a surprise to you, but what men deal with in this society is more than we really think, right? We're, we're very clear on the burden that women have as women in this world, in a structured society that is very obviously patriarchal in the sense of we are valuing so much masculine energy and uh, it's constructed around masculinity and doing and doing and doing and achieving. And then what we expect from mothers and wives and just being a woman, I know it's very difficult. I do, and I've have, I work with a lot of women, so I'm very clear on this. Of course, I'm not a woman, so I don't have that experience, but I do have the experience as a man. And I know the potentiality of the unfolding of what can happen as a man starts coming to a higher self. I also know what happens when a man is stuck in that density. And unfortunately, the majority of men that we see walking the streets at a cafe, in the mall, at a restaurant, are really in that dense state. And the goal for us as men, and listen, if you have a man in your life, this is the time to click copy, paste, forward, and say, husband, dad, brother, I love you. Listen to this episode, okay? So back to this. So many men are in such a dense state without even knowing it. And we call it being a man. And women and people around us have experiences of this is how men are. This is how we show up in the world. But I want to highlight something. And it's a term that I haven't seen coined yet, but it just came out of me yesterday when I was doing some content. We were filming yesterday and I said the, uh, the wounded overachieving man or the wounded high achiever. And we think about a few things when I say that. What is a high achieving man, right? The man that in this structured society has achieved. They've gotten all the accolades, right? They, they, they graduated with this. They work at this, they've opened this new company, they've achieved and they've seemingly been successful by society's measure of success, which is really just money and oftentimes fame and oftentimes just high achieving qualities like I run a Fortune 500 business. Now, I've worked with a few really high achieving men and I wanna let you know a few things. And I'm talking about like billionaire level. I wanna let you know a few things. Just because, and this is in this context of this podcast, a man has achieved a certain level of wealth does not mean that they are healthy. Actually, some of the most mentally and emotionally unhealthy people, you know, skincare isn't just about looking good, right? A lot of us want to look good, but it's not just about looking good. It's about nurturing your skin and being well-balanced from the inside out. And, you know, this world is flooded with a bunch of harsh chemicals that are really insulting our skin, our barrier. 
and you want something truly effective that is safe. Alitura is one of the best in the game. If you never heard of Alitura, you just think of, you might've seen some uh, black bottles with gold writing on it. It's one of the best and they're always at health events and people are loving them and they're quality. Alitura Naturals has crafted a serum that is not only safe, but also incredibly effective. Listen, a lot of you ask me where I get my glow from. This is a huge part of the equation. Their gold serum isn't just another skincare product. It's a testament to the power of natural healing and a commitment to holistic health. It uses organic ingredients like jojoba, olive, rosehip oils, and the gold serum is made organically with plant-derived vitamin A, not synthetic stuff, not that nasty stuff that you're getting in a lot of these over-the-counter products. GHKCU and marine collagen to revitalize your skin. Alitura Naturals has been using the best ingredients in their products for years. They've been pioneering the path for what truly transformed skin should be. So if you're ready to take control of your skin health and experience the pinnacle of natural beauty, I highly recommend checking out Alitura Naturals. For a limited time, you, the Heal Thyself listener, will enjoy the exclusive discount, just the Heal Thyself discount, only for you. That's 20% off of this gold serum. Go to alitura.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A.com and get that 20% discount. It's amazing stuff. I use it every night before bed and I'm telling you, I'm on fire with my skin in a good way. Check it out. It's been a long time since I promoted a coffee because there's not that many good coffee brands. We got one of the best ones now on Heal Thyself. Are you ready to elevate your coffee game? And experience a brew that's not only delicious, but it's also health focused. Let me introduce you to Purity Coffee. You heard me review them in one of my first ever coffee reviews as one of the best, and then my second ever one as one of the best. And it's one of the best still. It's an ultimate choice for coffee lovers who, who prioritize taste as well as well being. I'm gonna tell you what makes Purity Coffee stand out from the crowd. Every step in their process is rooted in health focused principles backed by solid scientific research based rigorous testing. They use the finest specialty grade organic Arabica beans and then move on to small batch roasting, ensuring that each cup meets the highest standards of quality. But what really sets Purity Coffee apart from all the other coffee brands is their dedication, is my favorite, is their dedication to purity and safety. Their beans undergo third-party testing to ensure they're free of pesticides, toxins, and harmful mycotoxins, those pesky substances that can wreak havoc on your health, causing issues like liver and kidney damage, digestive problems, brain fog, and fatigue. Purity Coffee also has some of the highest antioxidant capacity, and this is important because we have to understand, coffee is actually really good for us when we're getting quality coffee. And the reason it's good for us and ensures so many benefits, especially heart health, is because of its antioxidant capacity. Purity has one of the highest antioxidants that you're going to find in coffee, giving you a powerful dose of healthy boosting compounds with every sip. Purity Coffee is grown on regenerative organic farms that prioritize soil health, animal welfare, and community well-being. They have certifications by USDA Organic, Rainforest Alliance, and Smithsonian Bird Friendly. You can also trust Purity Coffee is not only good for you, but also good for the planet. They have a range of roasts from their light medium roast with sweet fruity notes and their dark roast with rich bold taste. So to try out one of my favorite coffees in existence and one that I recommend to everyone still to this day, I've been doing it for years, is Purity Coffee. Go to puritycoffee.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your first purchase. That is P-U-R-I-T-Y-C-O-F-F-E-E.com and use the code DRG for 30% off of your order. Where does that come from? Wait, hold on. Wait, how does, how does that make sense? If they were to realize such success, shouldn't they be in a healthy way? No. Because one, our measure of success isn't necessarily healthy. Accumulating resources and money isn't a measure of I'm internally happy. It isn't a measure of I'm emotionally authentic and expressive. On the contrary, a lot of the things that drive that level of success 
that level of grinding, that level of I need to show up in the world are actually compensations for repressed emotion. And of course I'm going to go here. How can I not? You ever hear of a workaholic? I have ever, that, that term is so readily used, right? Oh yes, my brother, he's great. The kids love him, but he's such a workaholic. My husband, he's home. He's, he's great on the weekends, but man, he's so wrapped up with work. He's a workaholic, right? How many of you have had the experiences of being at home with dad, but he's kind of never home because he's always working late. And on the weekends, he's always working, addicted to working and doing, imbalanced completely in the masculine and feminine polarity, workaholic. Now, it's one thing to work hard. We celebrate that. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's valuable to have that reservoir where you can tap into and then begin to show up in this world as I'm going to show up with something that I'm passionate about and work hard and do it. Beautiful. It's another thing to work hard because you're deriving your sense of self and your value from the work that you do or you think you should be doing or on a deeper level, you think makes you the person that everyone would find lovable. Now we're going to go deeper. So remember, this is in the context of a high achieving male because the dynamics of the youth and the trauma are going to be in relation to the young boy. But that doesn't mean a woman can't be a high achieving, hyper masculine, wounded woman. We could do another show on that. But really, I want to give a lot of shout out and love to men because we're hurting too. And I'm going to tell you why. So what is the root cause of a wounded, high achieving male? A lot of you may have a man in your life who's wrapped up in work. Their identity, their sense of self is wrapped up around their work. All they think about is work. All they talk about is work. Maybe they're not present in the household. Maybe they're even not present with kids. Or maybe they are in the household, but they're not emotionally connecting. There's a reason behind this. I want you to think about this. Every little boy in this world has an open heart. A lot of you out there may have kids. You might have a boy. You might remember when you were a kid and being around little boys, and you might've been a little boy in your life, but I want you to know this. Every little boy has an open heart. Every little boy cries. Every little boy screams in anger. Every little boy jumps on the couch in full of joy. So what happens to that little boy? Well, what happens is as we get older and we develop our sense of self, that egoic sense of who we think we are, especially around the age of six or seven, we begin acclimating in survival to our household. We sort of know this, but if your father, and this is usually a father wound, if your father celebrates and only gives you love, adoration, attention, when you achieve, oh, you are setting yourself up to be a wounded high achiever. If you only receive that love that should be given, whether or not you're achieving, just because you are you, from achieving you are setting yourself up to live the rest of your life looking for love through work and achievement. And this is why that compensation of being a workaholic shows up. Because we're not given the love just by naturally being authentically us. And when we do express all the parts of us, it's not found as lovable. But when we achieve, yes, you are finally lovable. And that can come from mom or dad, but usually there's a paternal wound there. So when a young boy starts seeing his value through maybe good grades, maybe through sports and achievement, maybe through getting into the college that they should have gotten into, maybe getting in a high achieving job, maybe starting a business, that's when you get the recognition from your parents, especially your father, 
you are setting yourself up to be a wounded high achiever. And unfortunately, and this is painful because how many men out there do this? A lot of men derive their sense of self from work, protecting, providing awesome, awesome pieces of the masculine. Again, we get lost and wrapped up in it. So what happens is we become workaholics and we work hard in order to run away from that pain of not being lovable and accepted just for who we are. We work hard. We repress those emotions that we want to express, that sadness of why don't you love me for who I am, that anger of like, you should fucking love me for who I am. And instead we take that energy and we overcompensate. We become workaholics. We study really hard. Great. Study hard. But we lose ourselves in that study. We work really hard, but we lose ourselves in the work. We think the next achievement, right? The next business we open, the next million that we make, the next billion that we make will finally find us lovable by our partners and by the people around us. But ultimately, what we're truly looking for is that love that we've been wanting and yearning from our parents, especially from our father. The majority of wounded, high-achieving males out here are just looking for a dad to love and accept them for who they are. Not for their work, not for their achievements, but just for who they are. And for dad to accept who they are in perfection, opening their heart and bringing back that loving part of them. But why does this happen? Why does this happen generationally? I want you to think about this. Imagine a father who's so disconnected from his heart that the only time he opens his heart is when he's vicariously living through his child. And when that child realizes accomplishment, acceptance, adoration, achievement, right? When they're doing all of these things, they're celebrated by society standards. And the father opens his heart and goes, yes, son, you did good. You're great. I love you. That, that once a year, I love you. Maybe that three times a year, I love you. Why does that happen? Well, it's generational. It's the same expression of love from his father. And it's the same expression of love from his father. So I want all the men out here who are listening to this, or all the women who have a man that they love in their lives, I want you to listen to this and listen closely. The way to heal yourself from being a wounded, high-achieving man and just to be a high-achieving man is to come back to your heart. You have to, have to balance that masculine and feminine. The majority of wounded, high-achieving men are in an imbalanced, wounded, masculine state where they are doing, 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 doing to the point of exhaustion, to the point of where they're so disconnected and numb from their feelings and they've lost who they were through the avenue of work. So what we need to do as men is come back to our hearts. Every single man who this resonates with and women out there send this to your loved ones. Every single man that this resonates with, it is your responsibility to be a better husband it is your responsibility to be a better boyfriend. It is your responsibility to be a better father. No one around you is changing your reality. It's you. It's you. It's always been you. If you want to connect deeper with your partners, if you want to connect deeper with your children, you have to come back to your heart. How do you do that? Get out of your head. When we are in our heads, we lose who we are. When we are in our heads, we are in a masculine state. When we are in our bodies, we are back in that feminine balance and you have to find balance. If you're 100% in your head, you got to find 50% head, 50% body. Come to your heart. Close your eyes. Sit down where you are. I don't care if you're in your billion dollar high chair office in your 600, 800 square foot office and you have 10 assistants. I don't care. Close your eyes and come to your body you're going to find a lot of difficulty because it's going to be the first time in a while. And your ego 
knows that you're confronting a lot of pain inside there. You, my friend, are holding a lot of anger. You, my friend, are holding a lot of sadness. When was the last time you, Mr. Wounded High Achieving Male, cried? When was the last time you, Mr. High Achieving Male, really let out that anger fully, that rage that you have for your parents, for not loving you for who you are? Close your eyes, put your hand on your heart, and I want you to feel what it feels like to breathe into your heart. What does it feel like to breathe under your hand? What does it feel like to get out of your head for the first time in so long and to finally come into your body and to finally come more importantly to your heart? What you're doing by coming to your heart is finally creating that balance that you've been seeking for so long. Everything you've been seeking has been right there with you. Come back to your heart and notice how it feels to be in your heart. And then can you allow, can you allow just that feeling or discomfort that you're running away from by work, by achieving, by status? Can you allow that pain that is there to finally start moving? Because ultimately, when you allow yourself to confront that sadness that you have for not being accepted for who you were as a young boy, and that anger that you have for not being accepted, when you confront those emotions and you allow yourself to feel them, guess what? you've actually opened up capacity to feel that for your loved ones. Now you're able to hold your girlfriend, your wife, your partner so much more in their emotion. Now you've created a deeper bond with your lover. Now you're able to hold your children when they're expressing emotion and not run away from it by going into work. You're able to hold your children when they're expressing it. Now they're comfortable to be themselves with you. And now they're going to see that they're lovable that they're able to be loved and held by their parents, the opposite of what your parents may have done with you. You are breaking that generational trauma by accepting your children and all of their emotion. This is what it means to be a man. Not to make a billion dollars, not to make a million dollars, not to get the next accolade, the next award. It doesn't mean anything. What it means to be a man is not only provide for your family, not only protect your family, but to connect with your family. To have your family know that you as a man can hold all of their emotions and you've given permission by you being you to hold your whole family and your kids will always know that they can come to dad and show every emotion in the highest amount of intensity and you are as solid as a rock. This is your duty as a man, not to make another million, not to make another billion. Stop showing out. Stop running from that wounded place. Come back to your heart and be the man that you're here to be. There you go. That's what it is. I needed to talk about this. I really hope that resonated. Share it with your loved one. If you haven't yet, copy and paste it. Send it to dad. Send it to your uncle. Send it to your brother. Send it to your brother-in-law. I don't care. Whoever needs it. Because it's time for men to start stepping up and show out. To show up for the people that they love truly in their highest essence. And this is what we're going to do. This is the new level of man that's coming. And we're starting it now. All the love. Let us listen to this awesome, amazing, powerful guest, Stephen Jackers. All right, everyone, I have a very special guest. Check this out. When I was in Austin, you know, I came across this guy and we, we, we were both in the same field, really deep somatic work. You know, you hear me talk about emotional healing, emotional release. Finally, we got to meet and we vibed so much. I got on his show within a moment's notice and we were vibing so deep. That show's gonna come out already very soon. But guess what? Now. As the stars may align, he's over here in Los Angeles. I got Steven Jaggers. Now this is the guy, this is the guy when it comes to neuromuscular body techniques, somatic healing, and 
breathwork. He's a founder of Somatic Breathwork, which trains practitioners, continuing education all around the world. Got a lot of people under that to really bring back how do we get into our body with our breath. But today we're going to learn a lot about breath, breath work that may be myth and fact, because we ain't talking about some of the things that may be detrimental to our health. Also, we're going to talk about how to get in our bodies in our day-to-day, bringing us back to parasympathetic. Welcome to the show, my man. Uh, it's an honor to be here, brother. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited too. I feel like that last conversation that we had in Austin, like we could have probably gone for three hours. Um, we blacked out. Yeah, it was, we blacked it was deep. Out. It was yeah. deep. Okay, so look, off air, we were talking about some good stuff. And right off the bat, I want to ask you, is there such thing as doing too much breath work and can that be detrimental to your health? Mm. So it's interesting because we are breathing all the time and it's it's one of the only body rhythms that we do both consciously and unconsciously. It is the bridge between our, our conscious and unconscious mind and body, our soma and psyche. And so it depends on our definition of what breath work is because you can utilize different breathing patterns to change the state of your nervous system at any time. You're not taught that in school. We're not taught that in school that we can actually change the state of our electrical system, our nervous system, energy system, chakra system, whatever language you want to put on it. You can change your state at any time with your breath. And so there are beneficial practices that you can do on a day-to-day level But, you know, a lot of people ask me, what's the most beneficial daily practice to do? And it's not, you know, a 15 minute practice in the morning or a 10 minute practice or or an hour long practice every day or once a week. But it truly is. Can you become aware of your breath? Like how how often can you make your breath conscious? Because it's the choice. We can be conscious of it and we can take a breath in right now. Or we're going to continue doing this podcast and we don't have to think about it. Right. But how often can you actually become present with your breath? Can you become present with your breath when you're arguing with your lover? Can you become present with your breath when there's an emergency going on? Or can you become present with your breath when you're in flow state or whatever you're doing? And so I think the best practice is developing a relationship to your breath throughout your day because you are what you repeatedly do. You're not what you do sometimes. And so having that choice throughout the day, developing that relationship and being able to change our state and bring ourselves back to presence, um, that's more of a a beneficial practice than like, and we can talk about, okay, there's a good 10 minute practice. There's a good 15, but. So you're talking about the day-to-day awareness is more important than the practice of, I'm gonna sit down and do this breath work on an app. You're mm-hmm. saying more important is this awareness, how am I breathing in this situation? Mm-hmm. And which naturally, and, and ironically, I'm asking this question, how should we be breathing in general? Yeah. So there's a lot of dogma within the breathwork space. There's a lot of different- Like uh, everything. Like, like everything. Yeah. You should all, like, same with diet, right? You yeah, should only be everything. eating this. Yeah, you yeah, should yeah, only exactly. be eating this. Yeah. And it's like, my goal was to strip it of its dogma and just, okay, what, because- all of the different breath work techniques, I feel like are beneficial for different things. You just need to kind of understand what the goal is that they're trying to do on a physiological level. And so a baseline rule that you can apply to any breath work technique is if you are elongating your exhales, then you are sending yourself into a parasympathetic state. 
If you are elongating your inhales, you're sending yourself into a sympathetic state. And neither of those are bad or good. It just depends on what your what the goal is. Because when it comes to my nervous system, like nervous system regulation is not, can I maintain a state of calm? It's, can I maintain a state of choice? Can I turn it on fully? Yeah. And then can I shut it off? And so our ability to turn it on and turn it off, we, we, we need to have choice around that because a lot of the times we get stuck in sympathetic or we get stuck in parasympathetic. And so we can utilize those, those different breathing techniques um, to kind of shift our state, to expand our nervous system, I'd say, would say resilience in a way. Um, but along with that, there's, you know, a lot of dogma around, should I be breathing through the mouth? Should I be right. breathing through the nose? And it's like, you have a nose for a reason. Like if we didn't have a nose, we'd just be breathing through our mouth. So you should be nasal breathing most of, most of the time, your nose naturally elongates your breath. And so if you, if you taking that rule, it's like, if you're breathing through your nose, you're naturally elongating your inhales and exhales, and you're, you're naturally going to spend most of your life in a parasympathetic state. You know, your nose also provides a lot of filtration of bacteria and viruses, and, you know, it's, it's uh, producing nitric oxide within your system. And it's, there's so many intelligent processes that are going through your nose. That being said, you can utilize mouth breathing to go deeper into a sympathetic state. And so there's benefits to that that we can get into, um, but you should be breathing elongated exhales through your nose most most of the time throughout your day. Mm. It, it, it it's, makes sense how intelligent the body is at creating mm. more parasympathetic relaxation. Right. But for one reason or another, we see a lot of mouth breathing. Yeah. And a lot of those people are breathing through their neck. Their scalenes are really Secondary tight. Secondary respiratory yeah, muscles. Yeah, you just see that and you're like, whoa, you can tell who's even breathing through their mouth most of the day. Mm -hmm. But it makes sense too, when we're running away from a lion and we found safety, we're like, <gasps> exactly. right? During the day, let's say we're checking in on our breath and we're like, yo, I'm mouth breathing all day. I can't believe this. Now people are gonna be like, now I'm bringing more awareness to it. But let's say you're at work and something goes down and you're piled up with all of these deadlines out of nowhere and you're stressed. You know, when it comes to overall health, the little daily habits can make a huge difference. Take flossing, for example. Seems like such a minor thing, right? But taking good care of your teeth and gums does way more than just prevent cavities and bad breath. Emerging research shows that it can actually support whole body health and may even prevent cognitive decline as you age. That's wild, right? That's why I'm really excited to tell you about this awesome company called Slate and their game-changing three-in-one electric flosser. It's the only product out there that flosses your teeth, massages your gums, and even scrapes your tongue to remove bacteria to promote fresher breath. I've been using the Slate flosser for about a month now, and I'm hooked. Unlike regular floss picks that you have to jam into your mouth, this electric flosser does all the work for you with 12,000 sonic vibrations per minute, really cleaning out them gums. The innovative gum sweeps give your gums a gentle massage to increase circulation too. And let's not forget the built-in tongue scraper to help zap bad breath at the source. So to start one of the easiest and healthiest daily habits with the Slate Electric Flosser, go to slateflosser.com and use the code DRG to get 10% off of your very own flosser. That's 10% off of your easy to use Slate Electric Flosser at slateflosser.com slash DRG, S-L-A-T-E-F-L-O-S-S-E-R.com and the code is DRG.
you know, living a long life is great. It is. We all want to live longer. But what's even better is living those years in good health, right? Free of the chronic diseases and the ailments. Unfortunately for many, the gap between lifespan and health span is way too wide. And we spent our last years ill, not enjoying our life to the fullest. And that's why I'm always into research-based products, quality supplements that are coming out to you, the highest, the best of the best, some of the best rigorously tested supplements. And one of my favorite companies across the board is Momentus. And they have two that I use every single day, creatine and collagen. These are the two powerhouses at work. I've been over opened and I've been working out more four times a week. I'm lifting heavy weights and these are staples. And, I, and not just me, I think everyone should be out working out, building muscle, staples to muscle repair and muscle growth. But what sets Momentus apart from the rest is its clinically researched formulas. For the collagen, it delivers 15 grams of collagen, supporting your body in various ways. And it's not just one type of collagen, it's all the types of collagen, right? A lot of companies just have one type of collagen. You want all the types of your body's absorbing and utilizing this collagen in the way you desire the body to use it. But boy, oh boy, the gold standard for working out, if you're not on this, you don't even have to be working out. You can use it for your brain. It's creatine. Momentous creatine is fantastic. There's no fillers, no additive, pure, effective ingredients you can trust. Trust is everything when it comes to supplements. Momentous third-party test. There's no surprises. What you see on the package is what you get. So if you're like me, you want to feel your body with the best of the best, go to livemomentous.com and use the code DRG for 15% off of creatine and collagen and all their top-notch products. That is L-I-V-E-M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S.com with the code DRG for your discount. Is there a technique we can do right then and there? What is something we can do when we're extra stressed in that moment when it comes to breathing? Is it taking a few breaths in and then long breaths out or, or relaxing parts of the body? What, what works for you? Yeah, so let me, let me ask you a question right now. If you were stressed, if you were super stressed right now, which you feel very relaxed, <laughs> um, and I said, hey, just, just, just chill out a little bit. Just calm, just calm down. Like, how would your body respond to that? It would go down. It would just like my shoulders would go down. Like you my would muscles would drop. Yeah, I go. But the ah. general population, if they're stressed and you tell them to chill out, they're gonna be like, "What do I do? What? What the fuck? You know? Yeah, like what?" Yeah. So most people have a defense against that. Like it's very hard for them to relax. So what I would say, and this is kind of my principle on everything, because it comes from principles of polarity and duality we live in a we live in a duality and so we need both sides and a lot of the times when people are stressed we need to actually take it a little bit further into the stress state and and that will allow them to drop deeper into a parasympathetic state you know before we got on here you were like you know i was i just got done boxing mm -hmm. and so you're you're activating your system mm -hmm. you probably can relax so much better after you've had a yeah. boxing session. I can always relax so much better when I've pushed myself physically. Yeah. And so if someone's in a stress state, usually they're in this chronic low hum nervous system state where it's like, mm, what I would say is let's actually go a little bit deeper into that. Let's actually go a little bit deeper and let the body complete the, the necessary action that it needs to do. And that will send a signal to your nervous system that you're not in the presence of whatever this stressor is anymore. And you can then have access to a, 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 a deeper state of relaxation. So I would, you know, my daily practice, or, or if I'm in a stress state, is I will, I will actually breathe in a way that I'm mimicking a stress state. So I'll do 30 breaths in and out of the mouth, like deep as I can, like really charge myself up. 
I'll do one breath hold and then I'll do 30 breaths slow as I can, elongate my exhale in and out of the nose. And that will like, since you spiked yourself a little bit further than where you were at, you will have access to such a deeper relaxed state because most people are living in this narrow window of existence of, of chronic stress, narrow window of existence of, of emotional capacity. Like we cut ourselves off from feeling a lot of the lows. Therefore we cut ourselves off from feeling the highs. And if I don't allow myself to go there, I won't allow myself to, to go to the top as well. It's a, it's a living death. It's a flat line. Like what is, what is a flat line, but a a living death, but a living death. Yeah. Yeah. What an easy practice, right? Because most of us don't even know how stressed we are Yeah. and we're living on that flat line. So we're just like, this is me. I'm in that hum, like you said, Mm -hmm. but just like you said with the boxing, right? When I'm out putting all this energy, I come back and I'm like, I'm just sitting on my couch and I'm just relaxing a little bit. I'm like, you know, grounding myself. It's so much deeper. So really activating the nervous system you're saying is part of the key a little bit further. Now you said when the nervous system can't fully express that in the moment, do we stop ourselves from fully expressing that activation of our nervous system, our sympathetic, and we're just living in this hum, like you said? Yeah, absolutely. So most of us from societal impressions, parental impressions, schooling, people, you know, teachers telling us to shut up, sit down, sit in a chair for eight hours a day, limiting our expression, um, we have learned to hold it in, suppress, tight, tighten up. And so what's, what's interesting is that we live in such a mentally dominant world where we look at everything under a microscope and we, um, we, we, we've labeled the mind as our king and we've forgotten the intelligence of our body. Mm-hmm. Your mind can't even fathom the intelligence of what it takes to repair on a cellular level or digest your food. And so if we look at the intelligence of our body and we look at something that's something like children, something happens, stressful happens to a child, they immediately start throwing a temper tantrum. They immediately know that they, they, they need to get it out. They need to move yeah. it through them. They need to express it in some sort of way because that act of expression is a signal to your nervous system that you're not in the presence of a stressor anymore. Yeah. And so most of us, we've, we've rationalized whatever stressful or traumatic thing that's gone on for us. We've, you know, we've ran through the story and we rationalize it in our head, but that doesn't mean that our body is not still in the presence of a tiger. Like most of us, we got a tiger chilling right here. Yeah. And our body still feels like it's in the presence of it. And so we can work with the story as much as we want to, but allowing the body to have that expression. And the key to that is healthy expression too, because it's not like we can just be in the middle of a grocery store and start yelling and screaming. Right, right. But we've weeded out all of our traditional ceremonial ways of expression, singing, dancing, crying together, screaming, yelling. We, we've, we've eliminated all of the spaces for safe expression and acceptance for whatever we need to move through and not being labeled as it's bad or this is good. Like it's just, it's just a place where we can move it through our body. Mm. We've, we bypassed our nature 
And we are sitting in the intelligence of thousands of years of evolutionary biology. Like you are, you are not just your chronological age, however old you are, you are ancient because you came out of your mom and they, and they came out of her mom and, and so on and so on and so on. It's taken thousands of years to develop this very intelligent nervous system that has certain biological rules that we've weeded out of our culture because we've become mentally dominant. That's why I feel like we're seeing such a popularization of these somatic practices. Right, because in many ways it's a ceremonial stoppage to coming back to us. And you know, it's funny that you say this. I was away in Big Bear this past weekend, group of friends, right? And we were just hanging out and there was some music. I was dancing, some people were dancing, not really. And then one of our friends led us through this dance where we just had to sort of like ecstatically move. We start with like our elbows and that's leading and then our hips. And it was really nice because it started loosening people up. Mm-hmm. And then like while one friend and her and her friend started breathing together and dancing together and like, but they were like doing this like, <sighs> and I was like, whoa, this is like super Powerful. tribal. So I got called to come around them and just stomp like a, like a tribal yeah. man, you know, sort of like encouraging more of that. And then my friend came and then my other friend came and <laughs> I know this is weird. Next thing I know, we're like in a circle around them and they're breathing and we're breathing with them. And at the beginning, it started off as a joke, yeah. but through the process, I was like, holy shit, this is like super, powerful. yeah, powerful and reminiscent of something in my body that, mm-hmm. that, that like, is needed and we used to do. Yeah. We held a space for all of us to hold a space for these two powerful women just breathing together and dancing together. And it was like this arising of like all of our nervous systems. It was so sympathetic dominant because we're like, ah, ah, ah. And then it was just like, ah. All right. of us at the same time just felt so calm. Mm-hmm. And you're saying this and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, we lost that. We lost it. We lost that, man. Like in Austin, we should be outside for a little and do a ceremonial thing, put a fire and just do this dancing and yeah. yelling. And why, what, what is it in society? Is it, is it those rules that you cannot be, do, say, or have this version of you that is so expressive? Are we scared of that? Do we want to suppress that because we want to control you? What is happening that we're seeing so much of that where we completely lost ourselves? That's a really good question, brother. Um, Personally, I think that there is a control aspect in that. Um, your nervous system is, a, is an antenna. And the state of your antenna is going to be what you're picking up on mentally. Like, we haven't been able to measure, okay, where is our mind actually happening? Is it happening in between your ears, in between your eyes, mm. your frontal lobe, yeah. your prefrontal cortex? Where is it actually happening? And how come we pick up on thoughts and we can complete each other's sentences and all that? It's because the, the state of your nervous system, if you are in a contracted state, you're going to be picking up on contracted ideas. If you want to think expansively, well, you need to feel expansive in your body. And so I think that people in power have understood this for a long time, religions, governments, that if I can keep you in a state of fear, if I can keep you in a state of guilt, shame, if I can keep you in an animalistic contracted state, well, you're not going to be able to think clearly. You're going to be, you're going to be, you know, running to the store and buying all the toilet paper. Like that has anything to do with your physical survival whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And you make you make predictable moves. And when you make predictable moves, you become a lot more controllable. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that's that's sort of why it came to me when I said control, because I was like, it makes sense. Yeah. You know, um, because the person who's expansive in their body is expansive in their thoughts mm -hmm. and expansive in their ideas, yeah. revolutionary in their ideas, right? Com yeah. Changes paradigm, paradigm shifts, changes systems. Those people are dangerous, man, right? Yeah. And, and it's about, so would you say that coming back to your body is one of the most powerful things we can do for not only ourselves, but everyone around us? Absolutely. You know, I've been, I had someone interview me the other day that asked, do you believe there's like a, a war against your spirit, your soul? And it took me a moment to like really tune into that. And I'm like, I, I you know, I'm not so far off on that end where I'm like, I think there's a spiritual battle going yeah. on and this and that. But I do really believe that there's a battle, there's there's a war going on against our body. If you look at the the corporatocracies, the 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 people who are controlling our food, makeup, uh, you know, women, you need to be wearing these certain clothes, men, you need to be an entrepreneur and hustling and grinding and you know, taking steroids or whatever whatever it is. There's a war against your body because the body is the temple. And the temple is where you worship. The temple is where, you, the body is where you have had every sort of spiritual experience. The body is where you've had every sort of experience of love or truth or pain. Yeah. And so I do feel like there is a, a, a battle against our body because the body is where we experience spirit right here, right now. Mm -hmm. In the now moment. And, and we think about how much damage we do to our bodies yeah. in the name of this is normal in yeah. the name of like you said this is what they sell at the supermarket mm -hmm. must be safe i'll eat it right yeah. it can't be that bad how unconscious we are i'm going to drink this alcohol on this weekend over and over and over yeah without knowing how much you're hurting yourself so to me so much that is being standard americanized yeah. is is just that it's a atomic bomb to the body over and yeah. over and over and maybe, I mean, it's worth the question asking, is it for a reason? And yeah. it seems to you and me, yeah, there might be a reason why. Uh, because again, someone who's healthy and expansive in their body, holistic, the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual self yeah. is in alignment. That's a powerful, powerful man or woman person yeah. in general. My per my personal belief is a person that is really is deeply connected to their body, deeply connected to their own internal innate processes, um, knows how to uh, develop nervous system sovereignty for themselves, knows how to control their state. You know, if you if you master your physical body, the state of your physical body, um, you're going to be that closer to mastering your emotional body. You're going to be that much closer to mastering your mind. And for me, that that creates more free will. Now we could go down a, a philosophical sort of discussion on free will versus fate, but most people that are stuck in a contracted wounded state physically, they get triggered very easily. Something happens, they have a reaction right away. There's no space in between stimulus and response because those unconscious patterns, those de defense systems are embedded within them. And so when something happens, there's an immediate trigger and that immediate trigger is not a free will, it's a fate. And so if you look at the people that are stuck in a contracted state, which is oftentimes is not their fault, it is societal conditioning in a way, like we can go down that route too, but those people's lives are created for them. Yeah. It starts, it starts to because you're making decisions from that defense state. You're making decisions from that wounded state. You're actually not able to make conscious, clear decisions. 
because you're reacting from that. What does a wounded animal do when it's in the presence of anybody? Even if I were to give it food, it's going to attack me. Yeah, yeah. And so most of us are in that wounded animal state. And so we're reactive. Therefore, our life starts to, our decisions in our life start to get made for us. And then we look back, why am I, why do I keep creating this reality for myself? Why do I keep getting in these relationships? Why, why, why? Well, it's, it's, look at the body. Yeah. When you're having trouble with the mind, go to the body. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You, you think about the, the wounded animal in so many ways is, is like you said, us. And there's predictable decisions and behaviors we make from our wounded states. I actually think so much of the world is the way it is because we're just wounded and unconscious yeah. that we're wounded. Right. And, and and coming back and understanding, hold on, I'm, I'm actually a wounded man. And yeah. of course it makes sense why I keep getting into these relationships or why I keep doing this at work or having these fallouts with these people or attracting the same situation over and over. It's really empowering moment when you stop and go, whoa, hold on, this is this is me. This is me, yeah. it's me. So with all the love to people who have gone through whatever they went through as a kid and went into that wounded state and just reactive and reactive and reactive, what's the best way to create space just space for that first time to go, whoa, I almost reacted, but now I have some awareness around this and now I can make a new decision. How do we encourage people to make new decisions with this? There, there are a couple different things there. First off, the awareness is the, is the biggest part. You can't work on anything without becoming aware of it. And so just like, let's look at body work first, just on purely on a physical level, like, I utilize body work. I just go get a full body massage. It doesn't have to be anything special. Just to become aware of myself. Just to develop awareness of myself. Having someone's hands on me, working in different parts of my body, I start to occupy those parts of my body. It's like if I'm working on you and I press on your hip and you're like, oh shit, it's tender over yeah, there. Yeah. All right, let's face it. With all the toxins we're exposed to nowadays with processed foods, pollutants, and even stress, our poor livers have been working overtime. If you've been feeling sluggish, bloated, or just overall rundown, it may be time to give your hardworking liver some extra love and support. That is where Organifi's Liver Detox comes in. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfoods. This convenient little capsule contains a powerhouse blend of clinically studied superfood ingredients specifically designed to remove excess toxins and improve digestion, promote healthier energy levels, and just overall liver health. Now, one of the key ingredients is artichoke leaf extract, which has been clinically proven to help detoxify the liver and digestive tract. Then you got the all-star liver protector. You heard of it, milk thistle, an herb that has been used for centuries to give your liver a big old hug. That's not all. Organifi's liver detox also contains dandelion root, one of my favorite ones of all time, which is loaded with vitamins and minerals to promote healthy liver function and digestion. And finally, Trophalia, an ancient Ayurvedic formula packed with antioxidants that have been traditionally used as a powerful liver tonic, one of my favorite ones too. So whether you're dealing with sluggish digestion, low energy, or just want to give your body's main detox engine a little extra love, Organifi's Liver Detox has you are back. Just take one to three capsules at any point during the day to start supporting your liver's natural detox pathways. All of us need to be supporting our liver. If you want to experience the energy boosting, liver supporting effects of this fantastic formula, head to OrganifiShop.com and use the code DRG for 20% off. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I shop.com slash DRG. You weren't even aware yeah. 
of that tender spot over there. Most of us aren't even occupying our body. And so if you look at breath work, specifically the type of breath work that I use, it's the same thing, but on an emotional level, like it allows you to become aware of those feelings that you haven't been letting yourself feel. And so awareness is the first part of the, is the half the battle. And so from there, once you start to, to, to become aware and you occupy it, then it becomes about finding healthy outlets to move it through you. And most of our defense responses, most of our traumas, most of these wounds that we have, these defense systems, they were adaptive at some point in our life. They, they probably helped us. And so that's another part. It's like, once you're aware of it, the way that you relate to it is you don't need to necessarily fix it or get hard on yourself. Cause we end up putting the most amount of pressure on ourselves. Like, why am I this way? Or I become aware of, of, you know, I really haven't let myself feel angry. And then maybe I get harder on myself because of that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, can I become aware of that? And can I see that which part of my life that that was actually an intelligent response? When I was young, I didn't have a safe space to actually let myself feel that. When I was young, I was co-regulating with parents that were drug addicts and were um, absolutely dysregulated all the time. And so that made me want to leave the house and go play with the neighbors and avoid every confrontation in my life. And that was probably the smartest thing. That was probably the most intelligent thing that my little boy knew how to do. But now in my life, I'm older and that adaptive pattern can become the thing that blocks me later on down the line. So it's a little bit of becoming aware of it, honoring the, the intelligent part of it and knowing that it's probably serving you in some sort of capacity right now, but it's become maladaptive. And from that place, that will start to create more space when you have other stressful things happen to you. For me, I look at stress and trauma, they're very similar in a way. They're out, like our definition, most of us think that trauma is this outside thing that's, that's coming at us, but it's not, the, it's not the outside force. It's what's happening inside of us based on the outside force. And what's happening inside of us is that intelligent response. And so it's a, what trauma and stress is, it's a question to our being. Stress is the number one killer, but it's also the number one thing that causes growth. And so when we go through something stressful, it's a question to our biology. What's the new adaptive pattern? What's the new way to relate to this? How do I overcome it? And when I find that new adaptive pattern, when I develop that new adaptive pattern, that's create, that creates growth. And therefore, and from that place, a lot of the times we're communal beings. And so the shit that we've gone through and the stuff that we've overcome, the new adaptive patterns that we've learned, there's an innate drive inside of us to go share that with our children, right. to go share that with our community. And that's most of the time where people find their deepest purpose yeah. is where people have had their deepest pain because it's not something that they've read about in a book. It's something that they've experienced it. They've overcome it. They understand it. Even if you look at the etymology of the word understand, it's to stand underneath it and hold it up because I've been there and I've walked it. Now I can go, now I have something of value to go share with my community, share with my tribe. And a lot of times we find deep purpose in that. Mm, that's powerful stuff, man, because it's so true. 
It's so true. Every single person who I've met that is in some sort of purposeful servitude to people, right? And 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 giving what their experience has been always is underlying some sort of traumatic pain. Yeah. Something. A death, a divorce, a accident. You know, Joe Dispenza talking about how he was yeah. in an accident and he was in the hospital bed and it was a motorcycle accident or something. And all of us, man. And this is why we can be victims of that pain yeah. or we can see it in a new light yeah. with stress as sort of like the most sacred indicator in our body. Yeah. If we live in stress and we're just like, oh, my boss this, and now I got a red light this, and I got it to go here and oh, my life. Yeah. But it's also, like you said, the opportunity to use that stress for growth. Yeah. And how do people just take that first step? Is it noticing where we hold stress in the body and what it feels like? How do people just even, because people don't even know their stress at this point because the body has adapted to the chronic yeah. state of stress. It's become the new normal for them. It's become the new normal. So how, wh wh what are some things you may tell your practitioners or clients mm -hmm. that say, hey, here's some things to look out right now, just right in your body to know that you're stressed. A lot of the times I believe that we actually need help from another person. Mm -hmm. Most of the time we need help from another person. There's... You know, there, there is sort of a facade in the self-help realm. Like, I don't think that there's actually anything such as self-help. We need each other. We're communal, we're communal beings. We're relational beings. And a lot of the times we need the other person to help, to help become a mirror for ourselves, whether it's through body work, whether it's through breath work, it is because most of our stressors don't just happen when we're alone. They happen from other people. They happen from our community. And so a lot of the times, he, like Bessel van der Kolk in Body Keeps the Score, one of his most famous quotes is healing happens in the presence of an empathetic witness. Mm -hmm. And so it's 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 asking for help and finding people that can that can help you. Yeah. Now you can do different body scans and different self, like I can get into, I can share a somatic awareness practice that's really powerful and it takes time, but it's a lot easier to get help from somebody else. Right. Because they will provide a mirror. They will provide a mirror for you. It's the co-regulation. Yeah. Because oftentimes the dysregulation is from another. 100%. Right? So it stands to believe that. You could, you, could, you could feel absolutely enlightened just by yourself meditating and then go get in a relationship <laughs> right. and all your shit it's comes like, out. Or go spend a week right. with your family. Yeah, right, 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 right. And then you're like, oh, I'm dysregulated again. I thought I healed right. it all. Right. Yeah. So, the, so you're saying the gift is through people through, through people and, and and the beauty of it is it brings people back to the community it brings people back to communal healing yeah. which which is essentially everything right like i do my group events yeah and there is a a blanket of consciousness right it's just mm -hmm. like a crescendo all together and everyone's yeah. going through something together mm -hmm. right and you just feel there's way more openness than say if i had like just one person or two people in front of me. Yeah. It, everything is more activated and emphasized. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because people feel that safety. Absolutely. Like, whoa, and when I got here, I didn't know who you were. And I didn't know who this person next to me was. And my ego said, that person over there across from me ain't safe, yeah. right? Because they remind me of someone, I don't know, there's something about that person. But then when you go through this process and you feel safe with everyone else, yeah. ultimately you're safe with yourself. Is this your experience? Absolutely, yeah, I mean, you can, you can tell if your nervous system's in a contracted state or in a, in a state of fear. Next time you walk into a room where there's people that you might not know, 
Um, because your nervous system is the, the, the main function of your nervous system is actually communication and communication is a two way street. You have an electrical bubble around you. That is your, your, your nervous system is your electrical system. You have an electrical bubble around you. Some people might call it your aura. Mm -hmm. You can feel when people, yeah. you can feel when people are behind you yeah. or you can feel when you're in a bubble with somebody that's like, oh, this feels really good. Yeah. Or you can feel like, mm, I don't really want to spend a lot of time right. in this, in this bubble. Right. right. And so your nervous system is scanning the environment. And the primary reason for that is to, um, to keep you alive for safety. That's like a massive part of it. But most of us in our world, we're not necessarily having to traverse situations for our life and death at this moment. But you can, like next time you walk into a room full of people, notice if your system is scanning the environment for threats, for judgment, for, oh, I feel like this right. person's looking at me. Right. You can tell if your, your system's in a contracted state by, by walking into a room and feeling, okay, I feel like everyone's out to attack me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are stuck in that. But to answer your question, I, I do believe that like, it is like, why do we do this work to begin with? It is for relationships. It is for community. Isolation is the number one disease. Mm -hmm. All parts of our body when something happens to our body, all parts are affected and all parts are connected. The same thing goes with humanity. There is a, there is a trauma that happens with technology, our phone right here, where just recently we're able to see some of the absolute terrible things that are going on on the other side of the world. Like we can pick up our phone and we can see tragedies going on in China or tragedies going on in Australia or wherever it is. And Every cell in your body knows that you're intrinsically connected to all life. Every cell in your body knows that if I dump poison in a river hundred miles away, eventually that water will make up the water in the body of my children. Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's an innate knowing on a biological level that your body knows that, oh, that's happening over there, but it's actually happening inside of me and it's affecting me, but we're trained to dissociate. We're trained to disconnect, like that's happening over there. It's not happening over here. And I don't know if there's much I can do right now. Mm -hmm. And so when we are in this space where we we're either holding space or we're in a, we're in a group healing container in a way, we start to realize that how similar we actually are beyond our upbringings, beyond our race, yeah. beyond our color. We're all human. We all speak the language of emotion. We all speak the language of the nervous system and that allows, that gives permission for other people to be fully human. Like that's, that's the biggest thing that I see is, is how like creating a space where how human can you be? Yeah. Especially with the, with the advent of all this AI and you know, it's taking over different jobs and all, doing, doing so many things that better than humans can do. I think the question that we're being asked is what does it mean to actually be human? That's to be in spaces of relation, be in spaces of, of ceremony, be in spaces of, of, of emotional healing. Yeah. That vulnerability, the authentic yeah, expression, the authentic expression. And, and this is, that's the most beautiful part is when I'm doing a session on someone Yeah. and they come in and there's 10 masks on there's yeah. exact, I go, okay, I already, I can read everything that's happening right now. Yeah. It's okay. And then, all of them are gone. And I'm like, there you go. 
there's the there's the humanness there's yeah. the true raw there's you yeah. right the rest with a mask that society said and your parents said and school said and your first boyfriend or your first girlfriend like this part of you safe this part of you safe this part of you safe be more of this be less of this and for me the most beautiful moment in all this healing is when somebody comes back to being a human as you said yeah. seeing that in a group in group work is beautiful because it's like whoa, you're not only back to being a human, you're celebrating your humanness with other humans who are celebrating at the same time. That is, to me, the most healing energy that exists. Yeah. Because you're not only feeling who you are in your body, you're seeing through a mirror other people's who, you know, the guy who came in with this mask and he's like, I'm gonna be this guy when I walk in, or the girl who came in, I'm yeah. gonna be this girl when I walk in. And it's gone. The yeah. egoic identities are gone. For me, that's the most powerful medicine. Absolutely. However, routes get us there. It could be breathing. Mm -hmm. It could be dancing. It could be, it could be sex. It could be anything. It could, it could be, be all theater. those things. It could be theater. Yeah. My God, whatever it is that moves right. people enough to come back to that is like, yeah, yeah. And we're speaking the same language here. Yeah. So, I wanted to in the beginning of the show, uh, we were talking before we went on air about a little bit of anxiety and people are suffering with anxiety. So I wanted to switch gears as we go from the humanist and the authenticity into the piece about anxiety, because a lot of people, they'll DM me or they'll be like, do a show on anxiety, but I love to see it from your lens. Um, a lot of people suffer with future. Am I going to do this? I'm worried about this. And it's debilitating and it looks in different ways, like this avoidance or the anxious or even addictions. What, what drives anxiety in your eyes? And how do we start getting past anxiety without going, I need the Xanax, benzodiazepines, even the supplements that temper my anxiety? What do we do with that anxiety as far as nervous system and body point of view? Yeah, I look at anxiety, depression, I look at all symptoms in a way. Symptoms are your actually, actually your greatest friend. Like anytime the body is communicating something, like there's a pain here, or if it's on more of an emotional level or a stress level like anxiety, it's a bubbling up of something. There's something bubbling up and you are an expression vessel. Your body naturally wants to move things through you. And a lot of times anxiety is something wants to bubble up. It's that felt sensation of like, oh, it's coming up again. And I want to, okay, let me just push it back down. Let me, or let me take a pill. Let me, let me um, drink alcohol or go have sex or do something to get it to go back down. When really that anxiety is an invitation. Something's coming up saying, hey, you're doing something that's not in alignment. That's not good either for your body or your emotions or your soul. You know, for me, biology and, and your and spirituality are synonymous. Mm -hmm. I think until we realize that we're gonna have some issues. But um something is something is being communicated through your system that there's a pattern that you're doing, there's a relationship that you're in, there's a career that you're in, there's probably something to do with a massive life choice that you're not looking at and you're continuing to push it down and it's scary and you actually need to face it. And it wants to move through you. It's it's not that and I see people that put this label or the, this diagnosis on themselves in a way, like I am an angry person or I am an anxious person yeah, yeah. where it's like, it, the only people that are, that are experiencing that are the people that are not letting themselves actually feel it. 
because when you feel it, it moves through you. If I'm a, if I'm, it's not the people that have a healthy expression of anxiety or anger are the people that are, are angry people. It's the people that haven't let themselves actually yeah. feel it. Haven't let it come up and move through them because it's been pushed down. It's harbored and it starts to create dis-ease. It starts to densify and calcify into this dis-ease of something that wants to move through you. And so it might be the scariest thing for you to allow it to come up and move through you and allow it to deeply listen to what it's telling you, but it'll be the most powerful thing you've ever done. It's the body asking you, listen, something is not in alignment with me right now. Mm. And most of the time with, when it's anxiety and depression, it has something to do with a bigger, bigger thing going on, Mm. a bigger thing in your life. In that light, shouldn't this be the most important lesson we can learn in school? Yeah. Shouldn't this be taught every single year for 12 years until we graduate? I'll give you another example. Like we can take a look at the collective sort of opioid epidemic or even alcohol or whatever numbing agent, Xanax, whatever it is. If I'm working a job, a nine to five job in a call center where my boss is just a dick and I just, it's a soul sucking job and it's not in alignment with my spirit. I'd rather be out there dancing or or creating art or whatever it is. Like, but I just, I'm like, I need to, I need to stay in this job because I need the money. I probably am going to want something to numb me from the pain of my existence. I'm probably going to want to drink alcohol or to take opiates or to have sex or whatever it is to numb me from the pain of this nine to five job that is soul sucking. But that act of numbing myself is going to keep me in the same position. It's going to keep me in that nine to five job. If I actually let myself feel the pain of my existence, I'm probably not going to want to stay in that job anymore. Mm. If I actually take a moment, strip all the things away, all the coping mechanisms, be with myself as uncomfortable as it is and feel the actual pain of my existence, it's probably going to become the catalyst for me to make a rapid change in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the cycle we're in from moving away from that because ultimately it's easier to drink alcohol or have sex or be addicted to something than sit with yourself in that pain. Numbness is an active process. Think about this for a second. It like to maintain a state of numb, it's an active process, meaning it takes energy from me to maintain a state of numb because our somatic sensation or our senses in general, we we are born into this world, we feel everything. That's our natural state is to feel, yeah. is, is to f- feel everything. And so it, through societal impressions and cultural patterning and, you know, traumas and stressors, we learn to suppress and numb parts of ourself, cut parts of ourself off, dissociate from parts of ourself. And it actually takes energy from our system. It takes more energy to push it down than it does to actually let myself feel it. And that energy could be utilized towards the digestion of my food, to the repairing of my cells. That energy could be utilized towards my soul's expression. It takes more energy to push something down. And, you know, if we look at this from just a straight body work perspective, there's this concept called parasitic tension. Most of us have parasitic tension within our body. Like if you're listening to this, 
you might not even notice it because it's become that new normal for you, but the body's a reflection of the emotions and the spirit and all of those things. So if you have tension in your neck and shoulders up here, which most everyone does, um, it takes energy, it takes nervous system energy to contract a muscle. So if those muscles are chronically contract, it's parasitic to your nature. Yeah. It takes energy from your system to maintain the contraction of those, those muscles. And that energy could be utilized towards something else, towards the repairing of your body. Yeah. The same thing happens on an emotional level. We have parasitic tension emotionally. It takes more energy from our system to push it down. And that, that actually drains us. Mm. It drains us to maintain that state of numb because it's, it's, it's an active process because feeling and sensing is our natural state. And to be honest with you, like that book by Gabor Mate, The Myth of Normal, just that statement is so powerful because most of our defense systems are a normal response to an abnormal environment. Yeah. We can't measure ourselves without the environment. And that's why I think it's so powerful working with other people, but also looking at the environments that you're set, that, that you're in as well, because, and the, the patterns, the societal patterns as well, like, let's look at the body on another physical level. If I'm sitting in a chair all day, my hips are going to get tight. Like I'm going to have tension in my hips and that tension in my hips, it's a very normal response to an abnormal environment. Mm -hmm. It's a very normal response to sitting in a chair. My body wasn't designed true, to, yeah. to sit in a chair. The same thing happens with our, with our, 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 our emotional wounding as well. Mm. Most of our emotional wounding is a very normal response to an abnormal environment. And though it's, it, it probably isn't our fault that we, that we went through whatever we went through, but it is our responsibility to work through it. Mm. Mm. I feel that deeply. Yeah, and I do too. It is our responsibility. I mean, at least if we want to expand, if we want to have children if, who are healthy yeah. and free children, and you know, yeah. it's there's it's sort of our responsibility at some point because all of us has gone through shit. Just yeah. depending on the spectrum, how dramatic it was, but still, we have stuff, and it's our responsibility to unfold that. Why do you think then we run away so much from confronting the pain, and we'd rather go through an active process of numbing? Is it that painful when we're but with ourselves and let that express? I don't think we've been given the tools from a young age. Right. So we have no Our idea what to do. Our never taught us this. Mm. Our schools never taught us this. And so it, it's part of it is our resource. Like how resourced are you? Most of us are not very resourced. You know, I go look at my parents and although they might have some years on me, the level of resource and tools that they have is not, is not there. And part of it's not necessarily their fault. But the thing is the longer, the, the more years you spend the more you get hammered into your ways, the harder it becomes. Mm -hmm. Because then that, a lot of times that healing moment can be super painful because you have to look back at your life and be like, well, I spent 20 years like this. Yeah, That was 20 years wasted. Yeah, That was 20 years of me not living my highest self. Yeah, And so that can be really painful to admit to yourself that I've spent all this time in this state, but it's, it's, it's better to do it now than it is to not. I mean, right. I, I do meet a lot of older people that are like, yeah, I'd rather just live the rest of my life just pushing it down. I don't really want to go inward. Yeah. And that's unfortunate yeah. because it does get passed on. 
we like the youth is our future and as humans we learn to co-regulate first before we learn self-regulation and our co-regulation skills get developed by whatever we're co-regulating to first and then we're going to learn how to self-regulate from that place i use the example of like if you're on an airplane say that's the first time you're on an airplane never been on an airplane before and you're sitting there in the airplane and the airplane starts to experience a ton of turbulence and you're and you've never experienced this before and you're like oh shit are we going down and you look around and everyone else is just calm yeah. relaxed chill and you're like oh this must be this must be okay okay i guess i can relax mm -hmm. and so we learn to co-regulate to others and if we had parents if we had whatever whoever the village that we were around during our upbringing if they weren't in a regulated state then it's going to be really hard for us to learn safe relating in our relationship in our community yeah. learning how to self learning the tools and resources how to self-regulate ourselves as well mm -hmm. and so i do believe that like i said the youth is our future and we have the opportunity to become that 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 transitional character that's talked about the transitional character is the person along a lineage who finds a way to transmute whatever poison whatever patterns that were passed down and refuse to pass it down to the future you become that 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 moment in time, that person in, in the lineage that says, I'm not going to pass this down. Mm. And I do have to really thank my parents, even though they struggled with so many so much addiction and pain and depression. Um, they did not they allowed me to become. They said, you know, we you can succeed at anything. Just don't do what we did. Right. They didn't put any religion on me saying, you have to believe this or you're going to hell. You need to dress this way or people are going to think this about you. You need to go to this school. You need to become a doctor, a lawyer, whatever. It was, they didn't put any of those pressures on me. And what that did was that allowed me to become sensitive in myself and to figure it out for myself and to have my own experience. So I work with a lot of people that have had these, these very, you know, um, it could look like a beautiful upbringing but with parents that forced these different ideologies, these different beliefs, these ways of being that people spend 10, 20 years after school realizing they lived a life that their parents wanted for them and they don't actually know what they want. Mm -hmm. And that can become incredibly painful. Incredibly painful because I know very specific people in my life who are like, who have expressed that in the way they just show up in the world. These are just pieces of parental impressions throughout their life yeah uh it's it's super it's difficult because that is the more the normal right we have all of these pieces of like you said religion and all of our anxieties as parents what we learned from our parents and what we saw was safe and normal and then the way that we think the world is the world that we've created in our heads yeah. the way they think this is the only way to be in this world that is blank because this is my experience in the world but it doesn't have to be so your parents, I, to me, opened a space for you to be a free child. They did. Free child. And then ultimately, the gift. you going through your experience and you know becoming what you have become, yeah. which is what a beautiful thing, man. Okay, so we are running short on time. It's okay. But you, but you hold, I want you to tell the audience, because there's a lot of practitioners, chiropractors, yeah. you know, what, what, what is it that you're doing? 
Yeah. And how do people find you? And what are the plans upcoming? You and I, we're going to plan an event. So everyone yeah. stay tuned on that. We're going to chat more on that. But wh where can we find you? Yeah. So um, I basically created a modality. It's called somatic breath work. Now it's, it's, it's beyond breath work because it's, it's a continuing education uh, uh, program for practitioners. Now we have a lot of people coming from the mind route where we have, you know, clinical psychologists and coaches and mindset workers and you know, people from the mind route. We have a lot of physical practitioners, naturopaths, chiropractors, uh, uh, physical therapists, yoga teachers, body workers, um, coming to learn this modality um, for not just emotional release, but emo but that's the thing. A lot of people, emotional release is becoming really popular yeah. and it's so powerful because we've been so suppressed, but it's never about the release. It's about the space that's created for you to bring in how you want to show up, for sure. how you want to feel. And so it's a modality that you can add on to your existing practice. However, you're working with your clients. We teach group uh, group sessions, one-on-one -on -one sessions. Uh, we have online trainings, in-person trainings. Um, most of our in-person tra trainings are based out of Austin, um, but we have an uh, upcoming online uh, course uh, coming up very soon here in July. We have at this point over a thousand practitioners worldwide doing sessions there in a multitude of different languages. So if you feel called, you can check us out at somaticbreathwork.com, Instagram, YouTube, all the different spots. Yeah. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. If you're learning, if you want to learn the somatic modality yeah, to up level whatever you're doing in your practice, yeah. which I promise you it'll up level, yeah. go check it out and uh, and stay tuned because we're going to do a dope event Absolutely. coming soon. We're going to, it's in the blueprint phase. We're going to do a dope event. Thank you so much, man. This yeah. the wisdom is uh, beyond your years. Mm. And, and it's beautiful that you're bringing this to the world. The power of really deep nervous system regulation, emotions, and ultimately the humanness, yeah. which is what, what I, as a doctor agree, as a human agree, and every single part of me, all these identities, I, I yeah. agree, man, this is what we need in this world. And I love that you're bringing it to all of us. Thank you so much for coming on the show, dropping the wisdom, dropping the gems. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Yeah. Thank you so much, brother. You truly are a pillar of all that. And it's an absolute honor. I'm excited for our event.